Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Around 750 million people live on the European continent. So what about it? What will its future look like? Will there ever be a United States of Europe? For this and more, you will hear from European thought leaders, artists, civil society representatives, and all those who care about its future. You will receive key insights into the ways Europe is changing and how your voice can be part of this. I am Paolo De Stilo, and you're listening to Europe Matters. Today I'm joined by Nini Tsiklauri, an artist, author, and she's a European activist who grew up in Hungary, uh, Georgia, and Germany. But beyond being an artist, she's also a renowned actor in Germany. She speaks five languages and firmly believes in the power of civil society, which can tear down borders and unite Europe. In 2017, she started the citizens' movement Pools of Europe in Vienna and the project Europe Lab Austria. And with the Young European Collective, she published appeals to the young European generation, such as the book Who, If Not Us? A four-step guide to empower Europe and our generation. Also, in her last book, Let's Fight for Europe, she makes a fiery plea for a common solidarity and united Europe as a beacon of peace and freedom. And, okay, as I already said, due, uh, due to her fame as an actress among young people in German-speaking countries, she inspires young people in particular for political engagement. She's also very committed in the Georgian-European relations. Welcome, Nini. Thank you very much for accepting uh, this invitation. Hello, everyone, and thank you for the invitation. <laughs> So um, can I ask, uh, where are you currently at? Are you in Georgia or are you in Germany? Where, where do you stay at? Currently, I'm in Vienna, where I'm also working. And um, yeah, where's my home base, actually? <laughs> but I would, I would say Europe. <laughs> yeah. How, how long ago did you actually enter, uh, well, the European Union? Uh, not Europe, because we can, some people say Georgia is part of Europe, others find it a little bit more difficult. When was that? It was in 1996, if I'm right, or maybe four, <laughs> when I was a little child. So, um, yeah, my my history is a little bit long, but to make it short, I, I was born in Tiflis, in Tbilisi, in Georgia. And uh, so my parents and, and me... Came to Hungary in, uh, in the middle of the 90s, and I think this was the first time for me being uh, outside of Georgia and being in in the European uh, on the European ground. Um, and then we came back to Georgia in in the end of the 90s uh, and stayed there for three years. And I changed the languages, the script, the school. And uh, then we decided to go back 
to the European Union, to Germany actually in 2002 in October. And since then, I'm living in the EU, 2002. <laughs> and, and do you still go back to Georgia time to time? From time to time when, when it's possible and, uh, yeah, because of the COVID situation, it's a little bit difficult right now. Uh, the numbers are getting high also right now. Um, so I hope I can go back very soon because my grandma is waiting and waiting <laughs> and she's all alone. So yeah, <laughs> this is the biggest wish. And so except from family, uh, do you also have other ties that uh, t uh, take you to, to Georgia or is it only the family roots? Um, in first line, the family roots, but of course the political situation is always uh, there in, in our minds um, when, when I speak with my parents, with my family, and um, it's part of daily business. And it's so hard to... Yeah, to fight <laughs> for the Georgians. Um, I feel like I'm fighting for years right now for my fellow Georgians to uh, have a chance to join the European community one day or the Western community one day. Um, have they applied for to enter the European Union? Uh, since I can think uh, people are ready for it, are ready for it with their hearts. They they want democracy, they want the rule of law, they want human rights and uh, the European values. They want to live them. They would, they're ready to die for them. And I, I saw it at the Rose Revolution. I saw it in 2008. I saw it um, at the, also at the Euromaidan, uh, where many Georgians also risked uh, their lives or gave their lives for, for the European values. So... Um, Is this, this is the most important topic. Also in schools, in the kindergarten, uh, when you're born, it's the number one topic at the table when you're eating with your family. <laughs> so um, somehow I'm always, uh, I have always, I've got it always with me. And um, yeah, but the system is the problem and uh, the, the politics and uh, how the leaders make politics and for whom they make politics. That's also the, a big question because uh, my generation has the sentiment that the leaders that come came into politics since 2012 are mainly doing politics for themselves, but not for the people. And this has to change. And so my biggest hope for my generation is to one day communicate with each other because we We are all around the world um, and also all around Europe. Uh, my younger colleagues from Georgia <laughs> who are also studying, who are also fighting for the same goal. Nearly everyone is studying political science or international relations or international development just because of they want to go back one day and uh, make the dream come true that, that the country is able to actually live with the European values and uh, respect them and cherish them so that the European Union sees that we're ready. <laughs> yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, Georgia is a unitary parliamentary constitutional republic, right? So since how long actually has it been a, a republic uh, in its actual state? 
uh, regained the independence in the early 90s uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed. There are many movements on the streets, bloody movements. Um, actually, there is 20% of the country still occupied uh, from Russian troops. And part of my family is also um, on the territory. So uh, it's also very hard for me emotionally to... Uh, think about this topic uh, because I know that I will never uh, never be able to visit them um, for a lifetime <laughs> until until this conflict can be uh, resolved. But um, I don't see any solution in the next years for this frozen conflict, um, and I wonder how how long it will go on. And yes, it's. Um, I don't know if, if if you heard about the conflicts and if you heard about the war in 2008. That's the thing. No, there's not so much news about Georgia and what what happens around uh, that area. And that is also kind of the interesting part of, of these projects as well, but of uh, understanding what's going around Europe in the whole. It's not only about European Union, but it's about understanding uh, what's going on around and also that there is a sentiment, a European sentiment also outside of the European Union as we know it, as the, the de facto one. Um, but if you would like to maybe highlight a little bit more what happened in 2008. It was called the Russo-Georgian War, um, and it was a war between Russia, Georgia, and the Russia-backed self-proclaimed republics of South Ossetia and Abkhazia. And um, the war took place in August in 2008, so 13 years ago. And it was a period of um, worsening relations between Rus Russia and Georgia and uh, both formerly con yeah, constituent republics of the Soviet Union. Um, and I was in the middle of the war with my family back then. And uh, yes, we had a lot of luck that we um, were able to flee from the country Uh, because we didn't know how long it would last. We had no idea that um, it would last five days or months um, after that. Um, so when the Russian troops were 20 kilometers from Tbilisi, my parents and, and part of my family helped us to uh, get away from the east to the west so, they, so that we, can, we could cross the border from Georgia to Turkey and then to take the next flight to the European Union so it could come back. But this um, way to, to the border was um, yeah, pretty intense. And I also wrote the last book about it, about these moments and um, how I actually came to Uh, give up my acting career as an actress and uh, start engaging more into um, yeah political work. So, so you you started off. Um, you're engaging. Was it was it that the tipping point? Was that the moment that you realized for I, yourself that it was very important yeah. to be politically engaged? I started my my acting career when I was. 13 years old and I was mostly doing um, charity work at that time and I didn't really feel the urge to engage myself politically until uh, two years later when I had the opportunity to meet um, Germany's federal chancellor Angela Merkel and 
being in the same room with her was in, indescribable and it was absolutely, I was absolutely nervous. And uh, during the previous years, I and my family also acknowledged that all the riots and the political tensions um, in my home country, Georgia, um, would rise and the outbreak of the war in 2008 um, happened on the exact day uh, when my family and I flew into uh, Georgia to have a vacation. And it was devastating. It was a devastating situation. And the only thought of my parents was to get me and my brother out of the country as soon as possible. I was able to film the part uh, where we drove through these, these danger zones and uh, where the bombs were released above our heads. And uh, thankfully, we got out of this danger zone safely and um, this experience turned out to be one that I will never forget and it motivated me so much to somehow use my voice and spread awareness about um, what was happening uh, in Georgia and um, many fake news was published at that time and with my video that I made um I made evidence. I wanted to contribute uh, an honest part and make an impact. So I asked uh, that powerful woman for help. And I just talked to the chancellor of Germany about the current situation of my country and uh, my personal experience. Um, and I believe that this was the moment, the defining moment that um, highly influenced my commitment to any kind of activism as it um, gave me the motivation of understanding Uh, that anything is possible once uh, you put your mind to it and no matter how old you are, suddenly I knew what activism truly means and on what it is based on, embracing self-initiative. <laughs> you also came from a career, uh, from a acting um, career where you also had to deal a lot with cameras and the way of interacting with the public in another way through uh, media instruments, so television and Then later on with the internet, did that also really help you out with the way you engage with uh, the politics in the sense of like how to bring it out uh, to people? Yes. And at first I, I started writing uh, articles on EU-based issues um, as that at the, at the time I was convinced that it was the best way to target an, an audience. <laughs> in 2017, I got to write um, and publish a, an essay, a book with many other ambitious authors called Hoof Not Us. Uh, we're still existing. We called ourselves the Young European uh, Collective. Um, and it was a four-step guide that can help overcome a variety of challenges we're facing both in personal and professional environments in Europe. And uh, 7,500 copies were printed uh, and we toured through Europe and promoted in, in different schools and universities. And um, we aimed to motivate and inspire others to engage themselves more in the EU. And we made an impact by getting um, in a conversation with the people. And uh, still it was not enough. So from one day to another, when... Trump was elected and Brexit was happening. Um, you could sense the increasing deployment of right-wing populism in European countries. And I realized that written activism is just, is just not enough. It's fine, but it's not enough. So soon I came across an event in Germany where people were going to the streets with the European flag in their hands and getting in a conversation um, 
uh, with uh, passes by um, about the values and significance of the EU. And um, what fasc fascinated me at this time was that there were visible um, and that was so important at that time that they were visible and really on the streets. So I decided to do the same in Vienna and I wrote a call up on Twitter and waited in front of the Kaski here in, in Vienna uh, with many little uh, also safe self-made Europe flags and surprisingly soon I found myself with a group of supporters and uh, it was back in 2017 where 500 people uh, suddenly stood also on the streets there in Vienna and uh, every single Sunday on 2 p.m. supported uh, these rallies uh, which were non-partisan and um, at that time I put my heart and soul into that organization And at the time, what did you uh, encounter as the biggest like um, wall against you or that, that blocked the way forward? That blocked the way forward. It's still the same topic. It's, it's the communication because it's, it's so hard to spread uh, awareness about uh, the European topic from the European values, European spirit, why it, why it is so important to know about the EU what is good for us about the EU and uh, why do we have to discuss it right now and uh, think about our future? And uh, these are questions that um, people in urban areas maybe um, know about. Uh, there are many little movements and grassroots uh, initiatives uh, who are uh, rising and um, also trying to make this a, a big topic in, in a civil society, but it's not enough. And, and it's, it's really hard to bring this topic to the countryside, for example, and to also bring it to other European countries than, Georg than Georgia, than Germany, France, Italy, I don't know, Spain. I mean, uh, for example, in, in Poland and Hungary, and we need more Europe activists, Europe-wide, who... Uh, communicate with each other and make European movements and not only national movements or um, urban and city movements. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
What do you say to some aspiring uh, EU activists to join your movement? How do you engage them? How do you, what do you say? Why does it matter to, to join your movement? There are no limits to our actions and every single one of us can take initiative to create change and uh, shape our society. Despite where we come from, from Europe, how old and how well educated we are and what abilities we have, I believe that everyone has an inner passion for something that is worth seeking and engaging for and sometimes all that it takes is to follow and to um, enhance the urge to get active and step outside of the comfort zone. I think there's a change maker, as we said in the Who Not Us book, in all of us. Now, why you? The EU has to just to adjust quickly as well as strengthen and define its role stronger to the outside world. Because if we remain the same as right now, I do not think that movements like Pulse of Europe will have the same decisive impact and influence than before. The dissatisfaction towards the European Union is unfortunately increasing. So we need to deliberately fight against it. And I, I don't see any other solution than that the civil society stands together and creates a movement which is called like Europe for Future, like Fridays for Future, but with Europe. Um, and we need a figure. We need someone who's leading it and who makes who motivates us and who uh, makes pressure to the European le leaders. And that's the point uh, when we speak about Europe, still so many people don't really know what, what we're talking about. We're not talking about the European project itself or the European values or the European institutions in Brussels, but we're talking about the politicians that were voted in the European states and These are the leaders and these are the EU we're talking about. And these are the ones which we, which, which has to see that there is a civil society standing behind a European politics and European values. And that European politics, does that envision a United States of Europe? Yes, that's the vision. Actually, I, I really would like to live in the United States of Europe, but the problem is that Many people don't really understand what it is about and cannot imagine that that it is urgent in first line and that what it would be like if we would come to that point. So um, after long uh, tours we made uh, with our civil society um, networks uh, along the countryside, also in Austria, it was really hard to speak with people about the United States of Europe because there's a sentiment that they would lose something. They would lose somehow their identity uh, or someone would make decisions over their heads and the EU would gain much too much uh, power and uh, they don't really understand what it is about. So it's more comfortable to stay inside of the national borders and to then to give, give, give power to a big um, European institution which would, <laughs> in their eyes, uh, make decisions that they don't want. So um, in first line, and that was my idea behind the last book I wrote, we need a movement that communicates about the reforms that we need right now for the European Union and why they're important. And uh, in the second line, after the conference on the future of Europe, The next step would be to um, actually bring these reforms that we've many, uh, maybe written on the paper in, into life. But um, at this time, 
I don't see people standing behind it yet, that much people standing behind it yet, but maybe it can change. So for, for the listeners who maybe have already uh, heard other uh, conversations of Europe Matters, we already discussed uh, briefly the Conference on the Future of Europe, which is uh, already taking place since uh, May of 2021, and it's going to uh, go along till April of 2022. And it's a one-year-long uh, conference. People say, why? Why is it so long? <laughs> why is it so uh, endeavoring? Or, and what's the idea behind it? The idea is actually to get as many inputs as possible. But the digital platform has been very much criticized to be very uh, not user-friendly and It uses uh, very basic uh, translation services. So what you're suggesting is a next step. What, what, what would that next step be exactly? Because maybe I didn't understand completely what your idea is to go after that. Would you like use the information that we gather to go and actually do real um, referendums around Europe? What is the idea? Um, the idea was to implement... Um, European convents at the Europe direct stations that are all across Europe. There are thousands of them. And these Europe direct centers um, are there to communicate the European Union to the civil society, to, yeah, to everyone. So um, instead of having a big social media campaign about the Conference on the Future of Europe, which already sounds very elite and very like a conference. So <laughs> people do not really think that they can be a part of it because it's so far away and it's so elite and it's, 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 um, it should be on the same eye level, um, as uh, the people on the streets. So we have to bring it to them. And I, I see the possibility and the chance to cooperate, um, with the Europe direct centers all across Europe and to go on to, on the streets with that topic and to make visible European convents about the conference on the future of Europe and to tell the people on the streets, guys and ladies, here's the, the possibility to um, inform yourself in a very easy way, in a very easy language and to discuss important topics and your voice matters. We have to give them the feeling that there was really matters and that it's not only like, um, a conference uh, of, of thousand conferences and uh, that that it's just a marketing uh, gag or something. No, we really have to take this conference seriously. And it's, it's very hard, I know, because of the COVID situation to uh, be in direct contact with the people. But I think it, it, it cannot be made just online and with an online platform. We need also physical uh, presence at Europe Direct Centers. Did you feel like you lost a grip uh, during the COVID pandemic of your activism in the sense of uh, reach of uh, your message? Or did you actually realize that online you could also reach more? I don't know. It depends on the different point of views, right? It's it's really both. It's, it's really hard to be an EU activist only online. <laughs> a EU activist must be underneath of of many many people on the streets and uh being visible with a european flag uh whether on a real flag or on the clothes or somehow being visible that you're in europe activist and and talk to them and make demonstrations or 
actions and doing something. Uh, it's really about making, it's about doing, but um, we could not achieve anything uh, when the corona crisis came. But uh, somehow I have a feeling that uh, slowly we come into the direction that we uh, can uh, do it again. Maybe um, next year we can start again. So I hope so. <laughs> um, but this would be a dream that we could connect both. I mean, online it's also, um, it went also very well because we reach people over the borders and uh, it got more European uh, and um, we were meeting with um, activists all around Europe um, nearly every month. So yeah, this also did not happen uh, before Corona, but we need both of them. We need um, the physical and the online presence <laughs> for for this topic. And do you feel like there's, there's a broadening uh, connection between organizations? Because there's a lot of different people that are active on a European scale, but maybe are not connected beneath, between each other. I don't know. Yes. Does your organization also collaborate? I wish, <laughs> I wish we would more, okay. uh, I would, we would collaborate more and we would connect more and uh, do as many things as possible together. But the, the problem is that often we don't know from each other. And if um, then we, we always, stay uh, in our own organizations and initiatives. And I think that's a big mistake because our movement would become a lot bigger if we would all join a common um, movement. But it's also um, not that easy because um, many movements have ideologies like movements that want the European Republic or movements that want the uh, United States of Europe. The other ones want a totally different things. So... I am talking about a movement that in first line is nonpartisan and uh, includes everyone uh, because Europe includes everyone. And uh, we have to discuss so many topics and we need a platform that is objective, that is uh, neutral, that is uh, absolutely nonpartisan and that can um, include everyone no matter from which political party or how old or, or where they come from so and this is this is a movement that i see in parts of europe but um, the problem is right now that we don't have enough young people there we have too many older men <laughs> we also we need more women okay we need more students we need more young people generally we need that vivid and fresh look uh, at the future and uh, also more dynamic communication, whether on social media and also uh, when we're meetings. I wish more people would join nonpartisan movements like that, that are actually a platform for discussions and the future of Europe and that are very creative and your creative skills have no borders at this, at this movement. That's why I love it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that sounds very interesting. And so, for people that are listening and would like to join you, what, how, uh, which organization do they have to join? They just have to uh, click on puzzleofeurope.eu, and then you can um, see if there is already a puzzle of Europe in your city. And if not, just write me. Uh, maybe you can somehow give my contact details also beneath the podcast or something. 
but um i'm i'm there for you uh and responsible at parts of europe for people that want to join and uh want to make something um so let's let's do magic <laughs> and uh, just just write me i'm here and i'm so happy when somebody from i don't know where uh writes me and says i i really want to do something in my hometown um i have many ideas but i don't know how to how to make them do you have any uh, tips um would you maybe come also to my city and uh if the corona regulations are okay i would also come to you directly and and we could make something so <laughs> i'm very motivated there are plenty things to do yeah and, and in which languages can you express yourself like i i've read that you can speak five languages so in which countries can you actually go and do on podium uh, speeches Yeah, I, I would try my Russian in the Slavic countries, uh, and, and my French in Belgium or France and, uh, English. Uh, oh, yeah, I wish <laughs> I could use it in Great Britain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, there are that want to do things in Great Britain. They are motivated. Uh, the Remain EU, uh, movement and I got so much respect, uh, from for these people that still are fighting uh, for rejoining the EU and uh, please don't give up because one day I'm I'm sure that you will rejoin it's it's just a it's just a question of time they'll, they'll be back you will be back <laughs> yeah, they'll be back <laughs> yeah we've gone broad and and narrow yeah we 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 looked at very various aspects uh of uh what it means to be a euro activist a eu activist for the people that didn't know it is an actual thing uh you can be become a a eu activist and uh, nini actually gave us a lot of insights into that but also um into her personal experience and that's also where uh, it all started the flame of her political activeness Before we round off, uh, is there something that you would like to uh, say before we close? Yes, I would like to explain one uh, experience I made as a EU activist. Um, so Christmas is coming soon. <laughs> and um, one action that we uh, made was the Christmas market, the European Christmas market. So, um, you know, these beautiful Christmas markets uh, in the cities. And uh, actually we wrote um, a humanitarian organization, uh, Lions, maybe you also know um, Lions in your city. Um, and we told them we would like to make one day or two days uh, a European Christmas, uh, I don't know how it's called, house <laughs> out of it. So we brought many European flags Little, little ones, big ones. We decorated it from the outside and then we made glühwein and, and punch. So, uh, and, and cookies and uh, everything that you get on these Christmas markets. And it was so funny because you go there and you see so many and so many people there and at, at this Christmas market. And suddenly you see a little house and It's decorated totally in blue and yellow and in European Union flags. And you, you ask yourself, how, the, what is this? <laughs> how is that coming there? I mean, is, is it for a political party or is it from the European Union? No. Then they come to us and they ask us and we say, no, we're just civil society. We're just normal people that are just engaged and that 
just want to make the European Union visible. And now, um, do you want to have some cup of coffee or Glühwein? And uh, so then the people are, are buying it and uh, we spend all our money that we <laughs> um, yeah, gained through this experience uh, for um, yeah, charity. And the good thing about this was all the people that were on this Christmas market came by and talked to us and we talked about the European Union and how they feel as a European, what they want from the European future. So many topics that were going on and it was so nice to be on the same island with those people. And I think we had an impact. And these little things, actions like that, uh, are, they can make a big impact if they, if we do it on many places all around Europe. Imagine, and this is just an example, and we could do so many other creative and, and nice uh, little happenings that uh, have, have the same goal. So um, I'm very open to your creativity and uh, I would like to be part of it. So just write me and I'm in. Um, yeah, and Paolo, Perfect. you're also invited if you're in Vienna. <laughs> to come to the European Christmas market. I, I, I will definitely join. Uh, do make a Christmas market uh, dedicated to Europe and actually showing all the different foods and uh, specialties that there are around Europe. And that, that is a beautiful idea, Nini. I think our time is uh, over. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, be a EU activist. Thank you for inviting me and um, I hope to hear a lot of uh, calls or emails. <laughs> I'll be very glad. And uh, yeah, <laughs> viva Europa. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Europe Matters. Special thanks goes to my assistant producer, Antonio Mattesini. Let us know who we should interview next by writing a comment and sharing it with your friends on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn using the handle at Europe Matters. Don't forget to leave a review on whichever podcast streaming platform you use. And if you really like this show, the best way to support us is by making a donation on patreon.com. You can learn more at www.europematters.com. Speak to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.